Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Millennial in the Middle. I'm Connor DeLynn. Thanks for listening. And today, we've got a solo episode. No interviewee today, just me. And I want to talk about something that ah, I've been I've been debating bringing to this show for a little bit, trying to figure out the best way to do it. And so honestly, I just decided that I was going to turn on the microphone, hit record, and just start talking in kind of a casual way today about something that I feel has been a big component and a big thing I've focused on and tried to think quite a bit about over the last year, really. And uh, I'm really curious to hear about some of your experience here. I'm going to give you a little bit of a challenge for maybe those of you that haven't dipped your toe in this water. And I hope this is something we can all uh, gain from today. So on the show here recently, I've talked about some books that I read in 2021 that were my favorite books. Uh, I talk, I've talked about Sapiens. Uh, I talked about Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Uh, don't read that book, listen to that book on Audible. I promise you, you'll love it. All right, all right, all right. I got to throw that in there every once in a while. But the two other books that I read in 2021 maybe were the most ah, transformative for me. And especially in the way I thought about life, I thought about myself and just kind of shaped my perspective. And the two books were first off uh, a book called Path. And for those of you that have been longtime listeners of the show, you actually have heard from the author of Path, uh, James Chadwick, who I had on from episode, I had on for episode 49 and 50, has actually become a really good friend of mine now. Uh, in those two episodes, we teased the fact that he had written a book. He wrote it in 2020, so it's a newer book, uh, shared some of his experiences. And in those episodes that I did with him about a year ago now. We talked mostly about his life, but we didn't get the chance to dive into his book. We are going to be bringing him back on the show very soon to talk about the philosophies and the lessons learned from his book and really how he got to that point. We're going to dive into it. So the first thing I'd tell you to do on this episode is maybe go read that book as a little bit of an assignment before we jump into the episode with him. It is called Path. And his name, uh, his his name is James Chadwick, but he goes by J.E. Chadwick uh, as an author and his author self. So go to jechadwick.com. I'll put the notes in this podcast link. Uh, go read that. The second book that was really the most transformative for me was a book called The Untethered Soul. Uh, now, as I'm recording this episode, I recently put up an Instagram post where I asked people if they'd read this book, and I'm actually uh, really surprised and very happy about the fact that many of you, many of my followers, have read this book, and actually several of you have sent me messages about how much you love it. I love this book. I have read it multiple times now, and I have never read a book uh, that I have, like, marked up as much of this, like as we're talking about a novel to actually like put notes in the margins and go and highlight and star and because there's just so much to find in this very, very simple book that has so much depth. And that's where I want to dive into today. And I really want to talk about a couple things that come out right as you open this book. And we're going to talk about kind of the voice 
inside your head, your inner self, your ego, whatever you want to call it, spirit, soul, I don't care what name you give to it, that being or feeling inside your head. And second, I want to talk about the power of meditation. Uh, And as I do that, I need to just give a full disclaimer. Like I am fully a novice and fully a rookie at these topics. And I also know that these concepts that I'm talking about today are not new concepts by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, if anything, like I am thousands of years late to the game on this, but better late than never. I want to share with you today a little bit of my experience as I have dipped my toe in the water of meditation, of mindfulness, and how you look at and even define like self, who you are. So as we do that, let me give you a couple thoughts. First, I have always struggled with the concept of even like self-help or this like quiet meditative moments. And for some of you, that may not be a big surprise because you know, like I'm an extrovert. I'm an entertainer. I like to be with people and around people. And I have always like felt at my best or the most inspired or uplifted when I'm around other people and I'm engaging in conversation and there's like this verbal ping pong that goes on. Like I love that. And that's when I have often felt to my life and to this point where I have had had the most inspiration or the best ideas come from that. And frankly, I have struggled in some of those moments that are just like me, myself, and I. And in fact, I've kind of avoided them in large part. I like, I don't really love to be alone. I like being around other people. I I enjoy that, right? And, And there's nothing wrong with that. But I've started to step back just a bit, and especially as I've you know talked to James about meditation, read The Untethered Soul, read Path, started to practice it a little bit, I've seen that maybe there are some reasons that I don't even really like meditation or this quiet solitude that you might find by yourself. And maybe the reasons I don't like it are because the patterns that I display there are things that don't help me that much and frankly some reasons why I'm not all that good at it. Because some people when they look within might be their best selves and might be their most inspired and come up with the best ideas and feel this energy. And other people, when they look within, actually that might be times where they feel the most depressed, the most insecure, the most fear, the most inadequate. And it all probably has to do with those conversations that go on inside of your head. Now, here's where the untethered soul starts. The untethered soul starts by talking about this idea that Michael Singer, the author, calls your inner roommate. And he constantly refers to this roommate as actually being kind of neurotic. Why? Because it never stops. It never makes up its mind. Simultaneously, it can be on both sides of the argument and never really resolves anything and definitely is never content with anything. All it does is talk all day long constantly. But what most of us 
don't realize is because it happens so often and so frequently and we know nothing else than this inner voice and inner roommate talking all day long every day, we never even really notice that it's doing it. And so what Michael Singer says first to do in Untethered Soul is he basically says, step back and start to watch your inner roommate have this constant dialogue and these constant conversations. Now, maybe some of you have practiced this in the past. If you have not, here are the two best times, at least for me, to just know without a doubt that that inner roommate never shuts up. One, turn the radio off in your car, and next time you're driving, just pay attention to the conversation that goes on within your head. Second, next time you take a shower, and it's quiet, you're alone, no one's around, what are the thoughts that are going through your head? And as you start to recognize that, something happens pretty quickly. You realize that you can step back and look at those thoughts, but you deciding, hey, I'm going to step back and look at them doesn't necessarily stop the thoughts and stop that conversation from occurring. So he basically makes this point that if you can step back and look at those thoughts, then are those thoughts you? Or are they just thoughts? Is there something more to you within who you actually are, your being, your essence, your spirit, your soul, whatever you want to call it? Or are those thoughts you? Is that what defines you? And I think you figure out pretty quickly that often with a lot of those thoughts, it, not, it might not even be the way you feel. It might just be this sense of doubt or worry or fear or anxiety. And there's two things that that voice thinks about more than anything else. You could almost sit back and look at that voice and put almost all thoughts that run through your head into one of two boxes. Number one, it will relive the past live in the past and think about the past, what you should have said, what might have happened, what did go on, or you replayed life's, you know, history camera reel. Or two, the future. What might happen next? What will they say? What could you say next time? What's going to happen the next time you see that person? Very, very rarely are those thoughts ever seated in the present and seated in the now. Now, there are going to be two times in today's episode where I'm actually going to play clips of my interview with James as a bit of a teaser of you know the episode that I'll do with him coming up. But in this clip that I'm about to share with you, he talks about how he went on an 11-day silent meditation and a, ret- a retreat like Eat, Pray, Love where they're, they're sitting there you know, and literally don't talk for 10 days, 11 days straight. And what he talks about here, you, know, you could find this same practice literally in a 10-minute meditation exercise in your bedroom. But listen to the way he explains this. Most people go through the same kinds of experiences, right? Which is um, at uh, you know day one, day two, you, you really are panicking a little bit because you don't believe that you're going to get through it. Sure. Because what happens is, as you sit there an hour at a time, and you are just told to focus on the sensation of your breath coming out of your nose and touching your upper lip you do that for the first four days or so 
And, and all you're told to do is, well, you know, you're going to keep your monkey mind is going to keep thinking of the past and it's going to keep worrying about the future. That's what your mind does all day long. Sure. And you've probably never watched it do that before. You've never listened to it. And now you're going to be hearing it do that the first time. You're going to be hearing your own voice for the first time. And um, you're going to be scared by what that voice is and what that voice says. And all we want you to do for these kind of 10 days pretty much is observe those thoughts that you're not thinking. They're thinking themselves. You have no control mm -hmm. of these thoughts. Otherwise, you'd be able to control them. They're not your thoughts. They are thoughts that are kind of thinking themselves. And your job is just to observe them, not judge yourself, not judge the thought, and just send them on their way and come back to that breath. <laughs> um, yeah. And you realize that you can't control those thoughts and you kind of give up trying. And um, you, uh, you realize how little control that you have and uh, I guess the outcome at the end of it is um, you you become much more I guess easy with the <laughs> easy with the world in a sense that you can't really control even the thoughts in your own head. So how are you going to control anything in in life? I love how he says, "Observe them, don't judge yourself, and don't judge the thought." Because if you think about that, then if we get in this observation mode, we also want to label everything that we see, right? Well, that's a good thought. That's a bad thought. This is an empowering thought. This is a good thing for my confidence. Or this, that's an insecure thought. That's going to be demeaning. That's degrading. That's pulling me down. That's not uplifting. And stepping back and realizing that it's not your job to categorize and judge and label every thought that goes through your mind because that is a full-time job. Just simply sitting back and like he says, recognizing that you can't control them. And something pretty cool happens the minute that you find out that you can't control those thoughts. And it goes from, you know, maybe it's this little five to 10 minute like introductory try at meditation you do in your bedroom. And this thought then leads itself to your entire life. Now, I'll give you kind of an example of some of my first experiences in meditation. And like I said, I am awful at this and I am always talking. Listen to my podcast, right? And I sat there and it was this strangest thought because obviously I realized that the inner voice was going and I realized very quickly that every thought I had was either about the past or about the future, like I could put them in one of those two boxes. But what I tried to do as I got better at this is I would just tell myself, like I wouldn't get mad at myself for not being able to shut up the voice either. Now that's, that's a big thing that people don't really talk about in meditation because us achievers, those that want to be really good, like we're going to be the best at meditation, that doesn't even make sense, right? And so if we take that mindset to it, we might be mad that we can't stop the inner voice. And we're like, we're going to be the best meditator ever. Look, my mind is going to be so calm. Watch. It doesn't work. So you sit there for just a second. And here is what I would continually tell myself. That thought doesn't matter right now. I don't need to think about that. That's a problem that doesn't need to be solved 
in the next 10 minutes. You know what I can do with that thought right now? Absolutely nothing. Just saying those words, all of a sudden this podcast room by myself actually made me feel more calm. I didn't even expect that. And I think it's what you might find if you start to dip your toe or if you have already with meditation because we are so used to just being natural problem solvers and trying to make sense of the world around us that that's what we will constantly do. And even the thought of taking 10 minutes off, not being in problem solver mode, not trying to figure things out or trying to be effective or productive, it's unnatural for us. And giving yourself permission to set a stopwatch for 10 minutes and say, listen, I don't need to do anything for the next 10 minutes. So any thought that I have doesn't matter right now. I'll think about it later. There's so much power that can come from that mindset. The second clip I want to play here, he goes a little bit further. And James talks about what I just explained a little bit here of not engaging with the thought. When you do that whole Vipassana experience, you realize, oh, wow, these aren't even my thoughts. These are these are thoughts that are happening to me. I can't control them. Um, so then you kind of become less attached to those thoughts. <laughs> and you kind of become, you say, well, it's not my thought. So why am I getting so wound up about this thought? <laughs> like mm-hmm. I can choose just to not engage with it. So it's that not engaging, choosing not to engage with a thought is a really powerful skill. And it actually helps you with um, all the walks of life in your relationships and at work because a calm mind is a better mind. And if you have the ability to not respond to a trigger, as we all know, uh, know, we've we've needed this over the last year, right, in America, um, then you can think and apply a calm mind to whatever the situation is. So it's, it's that, it's exactly you say, like that learning, train your train. It's like a muscle. It's like working out. It's like doing push-ups, right? You, you have a, your muscle is your mind and you are training it through meditating every day to not get too attached to thoughts. And therefore you can actually apply your calm mind and your logical mind to all these situations. Cause you, that's how you become successful. You become successful by making 60% good decisions and 40% bad decisions <laughs> instead of 40% good decisions and 60% bad decisions. <laughs> it's like it's just a little percentage, right? You just need to kind of get the odds in your favor. It's like playing golf. Did you hear that line? Having the ability to choose not to respond to a trigger. Think about that. How many times have you talked to someone and you're like, hey, how is your day? Ah, it wasn't that great. Why not? And then they tell you the things that happened that day or something someone said to them or something that went wrong. And it's almost an assumed, yeah, so my day was crappy. Having this inner, like it really is a superpower to be able to say, these negative circumstances and events happened to me, but my day was great. 
I wasn't triggered by those events down a dark hole of depression or anxiety or stress or fear, insecurities, whatever you want to call it. Those things might have occurred, but I made the decision because like James says there, like I have trained my brain not to react to those sort of triggers in a way that take me down a path that I don't want to go. Think if you had the power internally to do that, how much would it be worth to you to work on that? To have that be a skill that you honed, that you brought to your relationships, to your family, to your workplace, to your passions, your hobbies, whatever it might be. All of a sudden you start to see how universal that could be in helping you just be happier each day. Now, I'll get a little vulnerable with you here. Uh, you know, the first challenge that I'll give a lot of you, if you've never tried meditation, it, it sounds a little scary, right? But there, there isn't some like book that tells you, oh, this is the only way to do it. No, no, no. Start with five to 10 minutes and just simply focus on your breath and being in the moment and listen to that inner voice. Don't judge it. Just observe it and see if you can continually strengthen that ability. And I think what will happen is you, one, practice that meditation, and two, just start to all of a sudden step back and monitor and observe that inner voice. You're also going to start to observe what are the things that your inner voice is constantly talking about and what are the things that you're constantly letting in? And this is what I'd realized in the last year or so, that I think one of the reasons that I really didn't like going within, and I didn't like these words of meditation or self-help, or I'm going to focus on myself right now. Like, oh, I'm not, I don't have time to focus on myself. Let's just go out and go for it and do it and make it happen. That's my mentality, right? It's because when I often would sit back within myself there were two things that would always come to my mind first if I was going to think about life. And I realized that after years of this pattern, it became such a well-worn route, like in my neurons of my brain, like I don't even know how to explain it, that it's just naturally where I went and then seeing what came about because of that. Here were the two things. The first place that I would focus is everywhere that I fell short, that I didn't feel good enough, that I felt I needed to change or improve the fear, the guilt, the anxiety. Those places often become one of the first places you go if you're not very comfortable within yourself. And the second place you then go is all the things that you don't have the things that you would like, or the next step. Again, we get into this planning of like, this is what my life is going to look like. So you focus on all of those areas that aren't maybe according to the strategy or the plan that you'd set out. Well, remember the two things I said that the inner voice is going to focus on? It's going to focus on the past. It'll focus on the future. That was my brain doing those two things again and again and again. But rather than focusing on 
hey, all the great things about me or all the things that I do well or the things that make me happy. I focused on the exact opposite. And then rather than thinking about the future of all the great things that I had, it was all the things that I didn't and what I might have needed to do different or game plan or strategize or make something happen to make these things that were frankly often out of my control happen in my life. You can sense if that is your pattern, it's not very much fun to be introspective. It's not all that much fun to write in a journal. It's not all that much fun to go on a few mile hike out in nature to get reconnected and feel at peace with your inner self because often a chance like that was just more of an audience and more time to showcase those consistent thoughts over and over and over. What's interesting for me in my life is as I have approached, as I've approached with, approach is the wrong word, as I've embraced the quiet, as I've embraced more alone time, and not shying away and be, being worried about time to slow down and go within, I've learned to retrain the types of conversations and the types of thoughts that I hang on to. Now, guess what? Those thoughts of where you fall short or what you want next will never go away. They can't. You don't have control of them. But just like James said, when you realize that you can't even control what's going on inside your own head, then what kind of fool are you for thinking that you could control the events of the outside world or even better, control the actions and thoughts and emotions and feelings of other people? You can't. So when you realize that, then you don't get mad at those thoughts. You just simply don't let them trigger you. And you decide the thoughts that you want to stick to or focus on, or you're going to give them some validity. Now, my favorite chapter in The Untethered Soul is titled The Path of Unconditional Happiness. And I want to read a couple sections from this here that honestly, I think for a lot of us could become something that daily we could just drill this concept through our mind over and over again. This is what he says. He says, to begin with, you have to realize that you really only have one choice in this life. And it's not about your career, whom you want to marry, or whether you even want to seek God. People tend to burden themselves with so many choices, but in the end, you can throw it all away and just make one basic underlying decision. Do you want to be happy or do you not want to be happy? It's really that simple. Once you make that choice, your path through life becomes totally clear. Most people don't dare give themselves that choice because they think it's not under their control. But listen, the question wasn't, what do you need to have happen for you to be happy? The question was very simply, do you want to be happy or not? If you keep it that simple, you will see that it really is under your control. It's just that you have a deep-seated set of preferences that gets in the way. 
oh man, there, there's so much to unpack there. Let's start with the last sentence I read. We all have this deep-seated set of preferences that we feel is the path to happiness. And unfortunately, if us being happy or us responding to that person, how was your day? And if we're going to honestly and vulnerably answer good, in order to say it was good and we're happy, we had to have these 12 boxes checked. It's not how it works. Can you say it without qualifying it? And then he goes on to put it this way, and I just think this is so brilliant. He says, billions of things could happen that you haven't even thought of yet. The question is not whether they will happen. Things are going to happen. The real question is whether you want to be happy regardless of what happens. The purpose of your life is to enjoy and learn from your experiences. You are not put on earth to suffer. You're not helping anybody by being miserable. Regardless of your philosophical beliefs, the fact remains that you were born and you are going to die. During the time in between, you get to choose whether or not you want to enjoy the experience. Events don't determine whether or not you're going to be happy. They're just events. If you can live this way, your heart will be so open and your spirit will be so free that you will soar up to the heavens powerful. I think for me specifically, life is easy to look at when we have some sort of formula or when we have some sort of you know checkbox. We'll put it that way, right? Of like, oh, this is it. But what happens when one of two things take place? Either one, Everything is in place, like you check all 12 of those boxes, but you're still not happy. Or two, 11 of the 12 aren't checked and you just realize like you can't even check the 12th. Or there are just certain boxes that you you think I've got to have this in order to be happy, but it doesn't. And so I guess I'm not happy. What happens in that case? If that's the framework and perspective that our mind, our heart, our soul, our spirit, our being is fixated upon, we're just not going to get there. We're just not going to be happy. And the people around us probably will pick up on that same energy and either one, pick up on the same vibes that we have, or two, just not want to be involved with our vibes either way. So listen, uh, I wanted to share this because I really feel this is something that, uh, I mean, it, it's a work in progress for me, right? I, I'm by no means some yogi now that can go levitate, you know, hundreds of feet up into the air and be there for hours and get lost in my consciousness. Like, no, I don't even know if that's a thing. I don't know if that's ever even going to happen for me. But this concept that I have shied away from for a long time of beginner's meditation, beginner's mindfulness, and taking the chance to sit back and observe what kind of habits does your inner voice display? And what kind of things do you focus on day in and day out? 
And if you get a better feel for those habits and those tendencies, and then can simply do some things to change the way you either react to them or you replace those thoughts with a better thought that then triggers an even better and more strong, powerful emotion, uh, then we're probably on a little bit of a better path. And I think that is a key for finding balance in life and finding the middle like we always discuss on this show. Um, There's actually a chapter in this book that I, I won't fully get into today, but it's actually called The Middle Way. And he talks about how life is meant not to be lived in the extremes and that when you are living in the extremes, how much tremendous energy you waste. In fact, he says it this way. He says, extremes are good teachers. When you examine the extremes, it's easy to see the effects of imbalanced behavior patterns. And I think that's really interesting. In fact, I got to read this quote. He says, when you spend your energy trying to maintain the extremes, nothing goes forward. You get stuck in a rut. The more extreme you are, the less forward movement there is. And so, you know, one, obviously I loved that as millennial in the middle because like my whole goal is if we're going to make any progress, then let's get out of the extremes. Let's stop the absolutism and come together and actually talk as people and try to find balance, try to find common ground, try to find the middle. But can we do that within ourselves? So you don't have to go to the extreme of becoming a yogi that heads off to Southeast Asia and is gone for the next six months and falls off the place of the planet in order to find yourself. If you do, great, come back and I'd love to hear about it, hear about your experience on the show. But for most of us, we're in the middle of life, we're busy, we're trying to find balance. So something we can do is we could probably start a 10-minute daily meditation routine. And what does that look like? Something you could do is next time you're in the car, turn off the radio and check in with the inner voice, your inner neurotic roommate, and start to see what you can learn about yourself and how you can help yourself to make that choice. Do I want to be happy or not? For me, I want to be happy. And I want those that I know and love and I'm around to be happy too. And for those of you listening to the podcast, I want you to be happy. And I hope you feel that. I'd love to hear your experiences. If you try this, if you test it, if you've experimented with it in the past, please reach out to me via social media. I want to hear about your experiences and I'd love to even share them as I'm sure this might be a continuing topic that we work on here on the show because I'm doing it personally and we're about to bring James on soon to talk a little bit more about this. And he, you know, if I'm a novice, He's an intermediate edging expert. But if James were here right now, he'd go, you can't be an expert in stuff like this. So that's why I won't give him that title. Anyway, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. And I also hope that you try some of the things we talked about today. Clowns to the left me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. See you next time. Clowns.